0: found yourself struggling with rhythms and musicality in your practice? Me too. We've all been there, and today, Siobhan Camille is here to chat with us about rhythms and share a little bit about her upcoming workshops on them during her hosted event, where she'll be bringing one of our other bundle and podcast favorites, Chudney, over to teach a little bit on musicality as well. Jump in with us as we chat about some ways to practice this, even when you're stuck at your desk working along with some awesome exercises to train your musical ear. Welcome to Yalla Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. Today, Siobhan Camille is here back with us to chat about rhythms. Siobhan, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me back super excited to have you here. So I wanted to start at the beginning. I want to start with the basics so we can build from there because you mm-hmm. are teaching a workshop in just a couple of weeks as part of the Music in Motion weekend that you're hosting. And it's a little it's a little odd. You're t- talking about the odd rhythms, the specific rhythms, but we're going to take it back to the basics here at the beginning of conversations. Um, if you had to take rhythms down to the very base, where would you start for people who are Working, working with these in their daily practice?
1: Well, I think one of the things I often do with my students is just introduce them to the sounds first, because um, the instruments that we're hearing these rhythms played on are usually not instruments that we're used to hearing if we are people that just listen to Western music. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm thinking specifically about when I'm working with students who are not from uh minat regions so they're you know they need to really get their ear used to this mm-hmm. so it's finding like even just the doom and the tech you know and hearing how different that can sound on different instruments as well because maybe you're used to hearing it on your your dabuka or your tabla but maybe you know in some songs you hear it on finger cymbals as well or you hear it on the rick or something and or the yeah, sounds yeah 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 totally different yes and like uh I, I personally find often on the, on the, the daruka, it's, it's more obvious the tonal difference, but mm-hmm. on some instruments, you you really have to listen and be like, "Oh, what's that? So it's just, for me, I often start there with getting people just to open their ears a little bit because I think as well, especially for newer dancers, um, And now I'm thinking kind of in the context of improvising or creating your own choreography. But I think especially for newer dancers, uh, sometimes when they're in that process of either improvising or choreographing, we can be listening, but we can also be really like kind of overthinking, like am I doing this right? You you know the thing, that 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 crazy brain that comes in when you're improvising for the first time. Um, (laughs) And then sometimes that I find interferes with really listening to what's going on and hearing those differences in pitch. Absolutely. And
0: having a fallback of it to listen to. So when you listen to a song that you haven't heard before, Mm-hmm. right which is what I like to do with my students when I force them to improvise the first time yes. I, I pick the music and I try to yeah, yeah me too absolutely <laughs> they, they haven't listened to before and that's where I think having that musical knowledge right mm-hmm. having knowing the difference between the doom and the tech on all of these different instruments mm-hmm. comes more in handy because the more that that's ingrained in your head the more that it's in the back there the yes. more you can kind of forget about the gremlin you can tell the gremlin to just there's the door get out the gremlin (laughs) (laughs) you know get go out the door leave me alone like I've got music to listen to right now and Mm. you don't have to wonder what is happening yes because if you're thinking about what is happening in addition to the gremlin in addition to trying to figure out what to do there's just too much going on
1: for sure but I do also think like one of the things I will do I'm going to try not not to go down too far a tangent here Um, (laughs) but like if I'm if I'm choreographing to either a really so this is in the case of choreographing not improv Um, if I'm choreographing to a really either really intricate song or actually even a really repetitive song so it kind of goes to two extremes I'll map out the music and then Mm -hmm. I'll be really like what is happening Um, yes yeah And then that helps you, yeah, and again, two different sides of the same coin, the improv and the choreo. But um, I think actually that's sometimes even more valuable in like repetitive songs because sometimes you'll think you're hearing the same thing over and over and then you'll realize that actually, you know, another instrument comes in or it's the same thing but faster or something and that helps you map out where, where you're going to change your movements to match those subtle changes in the music as well.
0: Well, because each of these dooms and each of these texts from all the different instruments, they have a different quality to them. They have a different yes. texture as yes. well. So like, you're not going to do exactly the same, I mean, you could, but you, you can get so much more detail and in, like into the, the nitty gritty of the music. If you're really yes. listening to the different qualities of dooms, the different yes. qualities of texts and like how, how those are portrayed through the music. So I can see, especially in a song that is repetitive, that's what you want to look for.
1: Yes. Even and almost I-
0: to break it up.
1: And one of the things that I always do, so this comes when we're looking at the dums and the techs, and we're actually going to do this in the workshop as well. I always do it at the beginning of a rhythm workshop just to kind of get people's ears on. Um, It will be, yeah, they listen and identify the dum and the tech, but I also get people to identify whether a sound is sustained or short or whether it's high or low um, because that for me changes The kind of movement I'm going to do and you know you can you can experiment with this with the exact same move you could just do a hip lift but you change the the energy or the quality behind that move to match those different sounds because for me it wouldn't look the same with like a a dum on a tabla versus a dum on finger cymbals you know
0: yeah it's a totally different sound
1: yeah it's
0: a totally different sound so we take these sounds, we take these dooms, texts, all these different instruments, we build them into the rhythms that we tend to recognize as dancers. And then we practice to those, right? Like that's usually, we don't take it all the way down to this bass note when we practice. Although I think we should sometimes, but yeah, um, I have to admit though that I'm terrible at remembering the names of rhythms. Like that is my, (laughs) one of my downfalls as a dancer is that they just will not stick in my head. Yeah. Like I, and I, I can't do I it. I find,
1: especially some of those four-four rhythms that are really related to each other, like maksum and Masmuri Sahir and everything like that. Um, I can have the same problem because it's like just one uh, one beat has changed, you know, mm-hmm. um, and like Saidi and things. Um, and so I actually, and I, I would be interested to see what someone like Shahrazad would say about this because for me. I feel like you don't necessarily need to know the names as long as as long as your ear has been exposed to these like you want to listen to as much Middle Eastern music as you can um, and start hearing a lot of these rhythms not necessarily by themselves either but like within a song Um, but you know when I think when I've worked with musicians it's you know you might tell one person like if you work with someone who works with belly dancers a lot especially in the west if you said ballady rhythm then someone would potentially know what you're talking about but if you said that to someone who either doesn't work with dancers or even they're just from a different place they'd be like what because belly is usually what we well I say usually it's what some people call masmudi sahia. and then you know there's like aksak which is a uh, one of the special rhythms, I say, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that is a rhythm that I've heard variations that to me sound really different to each other, you know? So sometimes it's easier if you want a specific rhythm to actually just say the rhythm that you want in terms of dims and texts.
0: Mm-hmm. And then whoever, yeah. whatever that person calls it, yeah. they'll know what you mean.
1: Yeah. Um, But yeah, I would, like I say, I would be interested to know what some other, what other teachers' perspective on this is as well. But I think especially because some of these names for rhythms are names that um, potentially people of the culture don't use, then, yeah, I'm not so sure that we need to know the names rather than just hear a rhythm and kind of know, in a way, know what's coming. The, yeah. the more you hear rhythms, the more you, you can, you can guess your brain kind of fills in like, ah, this is going to stop here or something else is going to happen here. Or I can see some accents coming up. You That's
0: know? one of my favorite things. So my, one of my favorite ways to dance is to just have, um, I, I have never really had the opportunity to dance to live music. I've done it a couple times, mm-hmm. but, um, my favorite is when I do a gig and there's a DJ mm-hmm. and they'll be like, Oh, let me have your music and i'm like oh no you pick the music like i don't want anything right and i just dance to something that i i have no idea what it's going to be i have mm-hmm. no idea what's what's coming next but because right i've trained my ear over all of these years and i do know the rhythms maybe i can't remember what they're called half the time but I do know what they are that moment where I'm like the music's going to stop right here or like, yes, this, yes. the doom tech is going to happen. It's going to be a really strong one right here. And I, yes. I do it and it's right. And I'm just like, that's that moment in your brain where you're just like cheering <laughs> while, while you're dancing. You're like, yes, I
1: did it. Yeah. And I think some of this is like, I don't know if this is the right term, but kind of like subconscious or like soft learning, like, you learn by absorption mm-hmm. <laughs> and by hearing a lot. And uh, I, I've spoken to you about this before. Like I I have this, I have some moves that I, or like moves or movements or techniques that I will really, really work at. And, and there's a lot of effort to achieve it. And then other things that I'll put the effort in and it feels like I actually need to stop efforting mm-hmm. <laughs> and let it come. And when I, get more relaxed and just kind of play with it over time, then one day it clicks. And that applies to dance as well as sport, as well as a whole lot of other things in my life. So I think, oh, I always end up talking about podcasts when I'm on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to a podcast today. Oh man, the tangents I'm going on. I was listening No, to a they're po- all related. <laughs> I'm here for listening- it. Good, good. So there's a podcast today with, um, I think his name's Alex Soo Jung. I think that's his surname. Um, and he wrote a book called Rest. And he was talking a lot about how really successful people will build in um, active rest into their day because they have the chunks of their day where they're really focused and, and uh, working with effort towards something. Um, and then they'll give themselves time to let their mind wander because that's often where they find the aha moments happened. And so I kind of, I like to think of this approach to dance as well, that we have these times where we're really, really focused and other times where we're just letting things happen. And that could be in the form of improv. It could be in the form of watching other dances, of listening to music. I think there's a lot of ways to, to get some of this into your body and your brain.
0: I think it's the most prevalent with music because mm-hmm. it's the easiest thing to do, right? Is to yes. like, while you're at work.
1: Yeah, while you're walking, while you're, walking, while you're on while the
0: train. Doing yeah. the dishes, you know, yes. you can just listen to music. You can just start putting yeah. it in your brain. And the more you listen to things, the, the, you called it soft learning, right? Like the more yeah. you just understand it, training yeah. your ear getting it in there so that when you do get into a situation where you're improving to something you don't know, or yeah. you're actually studying the rhythm, you're like, oh, I I know what this is. I've heard this before. Maybe I didn't know what it was called or I didn't realize yes. it was a rhythm, yes. but I've I've heard it, I understand yep. it, I know it. Yeah. And that makes it so much easier, I think, to jump in if you've For already sure. had that passive learning going on. Yes. Awesome. So one of the things that came up in the bundle episodes this year with a lot mm-hmm. of dancers, and actually Charizard uh, is one of the people I talked to about this, was that dancers tend to focus too hard on the rhythm because mm-hmm. it's, it's easier to dance to. So I was wondering on your take on this. I love that we just yeah. we were just wondering what Shaharazad would think of something. And now I'm taking yes. something from her podcast over here.
1: No, no, um, for sure. I, I I really love Shaharazad. I, I did an intensive with her a few years ago. So I, and, and she taught us a lot about rhythms. So I, I often think of her regarding this. For
0: your take on this, do you, since you're talking about rhythms, do yes. you have a guide for how much you tend to rely on the rhythm versus the melody? Does it depend mm. on the song for you? Like mm-hmm. how, how do you, kind of parse this portion of it when you're mapping a choreography or when you're just improv or however. Yeah.
1: yeah, so interestingly, I actually didn't really teach my students rhythms for a long time because I felt like sometimes I saw dancers putting too much of an emphasis on the rhythm. Um, and I feel that musicality, is so much richer in understanding music from the regions this dance is from. There's so much more to it than just the rhythm. Um, and actually, um, who was it? Oh, it was, um, I was, I've, I've worked, I've danced a couple of times and learned a couple of times with, um, Guy Shalom and the Baladi Blues Ensemble. So they're based in the UK. Um, the band, I think, is comprised of, um, yeah, mainly Middle Eastern musicians, but they live across Switzerland and Germany and the UK. And we were doing a workshop with Guy Shalom and um, one of the drummers at the time. And they were saying how um, the, the Arabic word for percussive rhythm is ika, which literally translates to empty. And for him, actually, it wasn't even with the drummer. It was with the oud player. And I'll tell you why that's relevant in a second. Um, <laughs> because when, when Guy was like saying this is what it means in English, the oud the player was just like, yeah, yeah, it's just empty. It's just, it's just nothing. It's just the rhythm. Um, and I don't know if that was his opinion because he plays a more melodic instrument and the rhythm supports him but I've also heard another um another musician say a similar thing to me um so I think particularly in things like and this is a generalization but like some of the the older big orchestral pieces um the rhythm is really there kind of while we're like waiting for the real music to begin and this is a bit of an exaggeration and I'd say it's probably less relevant to modern music because obviously percussion is super important in something like a drum solo Mm -hmm. and even if you think to like um of Leila Wa which starts with like dun 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 you know obviously there's a really percussive sound there but that is being played not only by the drums but also it's being played on melodic instruments at the same time Mm -hmm. um and I think it depends on the song but like it depends on the song it depends on the band and I think when you hear more modern music more modern music is often more drum heavy and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about another bundle contributor actually (laughs) because um Christine Shiraz I read her PhD thesis earlier this year and it was very interesting because she was talking about how after the, um, the revolution in Cairo, um, a lot of clubs were closed which meant that musicians and dancers were out of work for I think a month or two and when they came back because all of these clubs had been closed for so long there was less money and so it actually changed the way, I hope I'm not misquoting her, everyone should read her thesis it's great and it's freely available um they were saying because there was less money um they filled up bands more with drummers rather than the more expensive melodic instrument players and so that affects how like it's, it's crazy I mean this is where it's so clear to me that art is always political right like it's mm-hmm. it's always influenced by what's going on but um that, of course, changes the way the music sounds as well because it becomes more drum-heavy. And to come back to Alf flayla again, if you listen to, you know, like the on YouTube, if you look up, you'll find the 1969 live version of Umkol Thum with an orchestra. And if you listen, yeah, pretty much from the beginning with the bum, 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 right up until around one minute, then it's obviously there's some parts that are strongly percussive, but one of the things I I often tell people is whatever gets stuck in your head, like the bit that gives you earworm, that is kind of what I think you should be interpreting. And when you listen to that when you listen to that song you go away with the melody in your head you don't go away singing all of the rhythms underneath you know whereas if you listen to like a you know early 2000s version of Alf, Le- Alf Leila Walayla by Cairo Orchestra and that again I think you can find on YouTube um there's there's a much heavier drum emphasis and actually I think even in the parts that I would usually be like, yeah, this is the melody focus. The drums are actually at the forefront of the song. Um, but I don't think it should be like, OK, this is a drum heavy song. We only interpret the drums mm-hmm. or "Or like, OK, this is a melody heavy song. We only interpret the melody. Um, I think you can choose to interpret both at different times or at the same time if you want to be real fancy. <laughs> Um, I just think you shouldn't always be dancing to just the rhythm and it depends on what's most dominant and sometimes it can be an artistic choice like I'm choosing to highlight the rhythm at this moment.
0: Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes and I I like the idea right and that's what Charizard was mentioning as well that a lot of times the rhythm is just there to keep time.
1: Yeah yeah exactly.
0: It's there to support everything else that's going on it's the scaffolding of the song and yes right there's no there's no problem with referencing the scaffolding Mm -hmm. but if that's all you're doing when all of this other beautiful music is happening then you're like you're missing out on a lot of what the music has to offer and I like like what you said it it really does depend on what version of the song you're dancing to like how that particular composer you know or that particular orchestra decided to interpret it for
1: this particular recording I think you know uh because the rhythm is there to keep the band primarily to keep the band in time. Most of the time, Um, the rhythm is really helpful to keep us in time as well. And it's often what drives our feet, like our traveling. Mm -hmm. Um, So if we can hear that rhythm and stay on that beat while we're traveling, even if we're interpreting the melody with other body parts, it makes us much stronger. It's dancers.
0: So for people who are listening, who are like, okay, Mm I'm into this. I, I love taking it down to the dooms and the texts. Mm. I like the idea of the rhythm being a scaffolding, but listening to mm. different stars. I love and I love, I love the earworm.
1: Yeah, I was actually, I said That's, that, and then I was like, I, I've lived in too many different language countries. I was like, wait, do people say this in English? Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> okay, good, I, good. I
0: love because I never thought of it that way. But yes, the part mm. that gets stuck in your head, yes. Like, that's probably the part you should be working on yeah. highlighting in the song, because that's yeah. what you're going to be thinking about during that part anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's forefront in your mind. So yeah. for these listeners who are absorbing all of this wonderful information, what mm-hmm. would you distill it down to the next time that they hit the dance floor or that they want to do some passive learning, even mm-hmm. whichever way you want to go with it? Um, what is something you would suggest that people do to get more in tune with these rhythms, to get more in tune with the music? What would you have people do?
1: I think one of the things especially you know I have some people tell me like I just can't hear the rhythm and I think um finding the downbeat is one of the most important things to do and I actually often with students will do this with either like shabi or Marachana music or actually with western uh like rap or hip-hop because Mm -hmm. they're often like really like four counts and you really hear a strong beat, often with our rhythms, like in the Middle Eastern context, they they start with a dum in the in the downbeat. So that's like the first beat. Um, and so finding that I think is really helpful because then you start hearing where the rhythm, the phrase, begins and ends. And one of the ways to do that is often there's this, this first heavy beat that comes in and there will be like a melodic phrase and that's going to end and then another beat comes in and like like the melodic phrase will, will change as the beat comes in again. That can help you find the downbeat. So that's, that's probably one of the first things that I would go with. And I think a really interesting exercise is also um listening to a song several times and identifying how many different instruments you can hear in it. So this is going away just from rhythms, but you know, you listen to it once and you try and listen to just the rhythms, maybe even try and write down the dooms and texts you're hearing. Um, and then you listen to it again and you go, okay, what else can I hear? Oh, yeah, there's a nay, or and you don't have to know the name. You can just be like, oh, there's a fluty sounding instrument or there's a string instrument or something and, and um, an interesting exercise can and I, I will sometimes do this with groups as well is getting you to dance the same song and only dance the rhythm and then dance it again and only dance the other instrument you hear and then dance it again and only dance the other and with groups it can be really interesting because you can get people together and, okay, you, and say, you're going to dance this instrument, you're going to dance this instrument, you're going to dance this instrument. And then you see what people come up with. And then you can kind of blend stuff again to highlight different things at different times in the song.
0: Yeah. That's what I do in my improv. Like when I'm teaching improv, yeah. I make people do that and it, it forces people to listen to music differently Yes. than they usually do. Um, yeah. So I love, because I love, you can do all of these passively,
1: like mm-hmm. just when you're listening to music but you can then mm-hmm. also
0: actively listen to the song Definitely,
1: I was just thinking like I was like yeah this is a really active way <laughs> like yeah. but yeah you
0: can go both ways because even I think in a passive context like if you're just typing and listening to music you can be mm-hmm. like okay there's the downbeat nope yeah. there's the downbeat right yeah and then but then you can sit there and really focus and listen for it as well mm-hmm. depending on the complexity of the song I mm-hmm. think and how new yeah. it is to you you can kind of Play with it in these different practice contexts because you never think about practicing like when you're typing on a computer, but you can. It's just a different kind of practice. So,
1: for sure. Yeah.
0: Excellent. So, I think that musicality is really at the heart of what makes every dancer unique. So I'm really happy that you're hosting this weekend because it's called Music in Motion. Yeah. It's you and Chudney. Um, yes. Both of you have such amazing musicality. So I'm like, super, super pumped about this weekend. Um, can you dive a little bit more into what you'll be teaching during the workshop yeah. and what Chudney will be teaching because she's mm-hmm. on board as well. Kind of give us give us the down low on the, on the event.
1: Yes, so um, usually uh, because I run a ballet dance school in the Netherlands called Greenstone Belly Dance, usually we host several in-person workshops and hufflers per year. Um, we actually had one in March right before our lockdown here, and then since then everything has been online pretty much. <laughs> and so it was a really nice opportunity. Um, you know, we often host dancers, but hosting someone from a bit further away, like the United States, is uh, it's a it's a, it's a big thing to do, especially when you're hosting several things, several people per year. So I was kind of excited because the fact that we're going online meant that I could ask someone who I really wanted to come, which was Chudney. Um, and I first saw a performance of Chudney, actually, not first, but I saw this performance of Chudney earlier this year to... Awak, I think it's by Abdul Halim Hafez. I love the song, but I find it a really difficult song to dance to. And I watched her and her musicality blew my mind. <laughs> and I was like, I I need her to teach me all of the things.
0: Yeah, so, i um, do that to people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, um, yeah. So this was kind of how um, this, the whole concept came together. Actually, I wanted to, I thought, you know, if we're doing two workshops Let's have a have a musicality focus. So Chudney is going to be teaching. Um, she's going to be teaching in the afternoon Amsterdam, Paris, Berlin time. So two o'clock our time, which I think is 8 a.m. EST. Mm-hmm. So if you want to wake up with Chudney on Saturday, December 5th, you can. Um, there's also recordings for two weeks, just so you know, if you guys can't make it live. Um, so she's going to be teaching. It's called 5, 6, 7, 8, and, and she's going to be teaching about... Um, the transitions and musical phrases and how to level up your dancing by by finding that little beat in the middle, that half beat kind of. Um, and then, yeah, in the morning, I'm going to be teaching, um, I taught a Middle Eastern rhythm study for a belly dance summer school this year. We do a summer school every year um, where we focus on topics that we don't always get the time to cover in regular weekly classes. And my students really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed teaching it. Um, but this time it's kind of like part two. We're going to be focusing on kind of special and tricky rhythms. So we're going to be branching beyond like the four-four rhythms uh, and going into things like nine-eighths and ten-eighths, because those particularly can be the ones that when you first hear them. Like I met a, uh, well, not, yeah, one of my friends, she used to count nine eights, like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five. Like she would just break them up, you know? And when you hear them the first time, especially if you're trying to drill something uh, even, you'll be like, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. So it's it's introducing people to to those sorts of rhythms. And um, we will be dancing some combinations to them to kind of get them into our bodies. Um but yeah, it'll be fun because there are some of the stuff that we, we don't always do, especially if we're dancing to kind of uh, like pop songs. So yeah.
0: Yeah. And those are the rhythms I think that, at least for me, like need, I need more time with them.
1: Sure. Because yeah. I don't
0: hear them all the time, right? Like we're yeah, talking yeah. about getting them into your, getting them into your ear, training your ear to hear all these things. Those are the rhythms I don't tend to listen to personally as much. Yeah. And so then I, I need the little bit of extra work. Yeah. With those to like really get them into my body so yeah. like musicality in that realm and then we have chudney teaching the transitions excellent mm-hmm. i'm, su- I'm yeah. super excited everyone should check out the event all the links will be up on yeah. the podcast notes
1: i should mention we have a huffler that evening as well Ooh. and that's going to be streamed live so if anyone wants to join us to watch chudney perform and some other awesome guest performers then you're welcome to join us
0: Excellent. I'll link everything up on the show notes, guys, so that you can check that out. You can get tickets. You can study with the amazing Siobhan and the amazing Chudney, who's been getting a lot of love on the podcast lately, which is fantastic. Um, I have one last question for you before we sign off. I'm nervous. (laughs) (laughs) She can see my face lit up. So um sahira actually inspired this with last week's episode okay. i want to ask you what is the moment in your dance journey where you felt the most like an imposter we're sharing we're getting a little
1: vulnerable here with oh our listeners my gosh
0: so, so they can see that we all deal with this this is something we all deal with
1: okay okay Yeah. we definitely all deal with this i'm just gonna say that right away
0: we ask the hard hitting questions when you come back on the podcast. <laughs>
1: yeah. And whenever you, and whenever you ask me these things on the spot, I'm like, ah, what is it? Trying to think of the best answer. Um, when I felt most like an imposter, I think this, this is not very specific, but I think, um, I, I think it was kind of when I started Greenstone Belly Dance, like when I really started this as a business and was like okay I'm really gonna do this I'm really going to be a pro belly dancer because I I think I had always been too scared to do it because if you tell people that you want to be a dancer people are like have fun being poor you know <laughs> like um <laughs> yeah. and, and and so there there's that but also, um, there were a lot of gremlins, as you would say, in the back of my mind, you're not good enough for this in terms of like my, not like my dance technique and like my knowledge and everything. And I think then like the hardest thing was starting to promote myself. Like that's putting, so hard for artists. Yeah. And, and, you know, now I'm, now I'm really good at it just cause I've been doing it forever. Um, but then yeah so those would be the first that would be the first thing like when I first really started like okay this is this is going to be my life um, even though I'd known that I'd wanted it for a really long time too and then the second thing is and I've talked to you a little bit about this before as well when I first started getting like the haters you know <laughs> like like yeah. people people posting negative stuff um, and I think it's uh it's interesting for me because if that affects me I realize I have some more inner work to do wow we're getting so deep
0: right. <laughs> but, I'm here for the
1: vulnerable yeah, question at the end yeah, yeah and you know I think and I'm going back to Shahrazad again actually she shared this um clip on her Instagram maybe like two or three months ago and it was just after she'd been on Lisa Zahir's podcast being mm-hmm. her um And it was about positivity in your dance and i think there are um you know not only like not only being positive in terms of how we support other dancers but how we approach ourselves and i know this is a thing you're a big advocate of as well Mm -hmm. and so if i find that the haters (laughs) get to me then i realize i've got to do more work on uh believing in myself you know and being there to support myself does that make
0: sense? Yes. Yeah. Listeners, you can't see me, but I'm nodding Ooh, real hard.
1: Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel like I just had a mini therapy session. <laughs> That's
0: what we're here. We're here for. Because I, I want to share with listeners like that we all deal with this yeah, in our own way. Definitely. It's not, you know, it's not just you in your dance. It's it's me, it's Siobhan, it's mm-hmm. Sahira, it's all of mm-hmm. us like having this this same moment of anxiety around our dance or around being here and doing what we're doing. So thank you for being vulnerable with us. Thank you for sharing a little bit about that, Siobhan. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and chatting with us here about rhythms and about your event this, on the December 5th, Correct? Yep, December. Yes. 5th. So I'm very excited. Everyone should check it out. I'll link everything up on the show notes. So we'll link the podcast that Siobhan was talking about earlier, both um being her
1: with Lisa, Lisa Zahia, mm-hmm. which is awesome, and the one about rest. Yes. It's from a, it's a podcast called 10% happier. It's a it's linked with a meditation app, actually. But I'll I'll definitely share that. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, we'll
0: we'll put all the links in there. Thank you, Siobhan, so much. And everyone will talk to
1: you soon. Bye. Bye.
0: So if you're anything like me, life gets in the way of practice quite a lot. Anything that allows me to interact with this dance outside of putting my butt on the dance floor is something I will handily incorporate into my days. And training your musical ear is something you can do so easily now. Many of you likely remember when music was harder to come by, But now with Spotify and other apps, you can literally find playlists and they'll suggest new music for you all the time. I have a second account on Spotify that I use just for Middle Eastern music, and I love diving into the suggestions, recommendations, and new release playlists that they put together for me. It's such a great way to practice without actually practicing. But if you want to get more actual butt-on-the-floor dancing practice in, check out Siobhan Camille and Chudney this weekend on December 5th for the music in motion event links to that and everything else we mentioned today can be found at thebellydancebundle.com 62 now go put on some music while you jam out wherever you are and practice without practicing